the biggest thing I'm seeing right now across, you know, businesses and specifically like consumer products is the shift away from like paid advertising. So think traditional channels like Facebook, uh, Google, and so forth into, you know, more content creation, more partnerships with creators, more organic content, whether that's like posting on LinkedIn yourself or on your own Twitter or your own social media. Um, that's not going away. Like the, I think that over the next few years, we're going to see, you know, a huge drastic shift in just the way that all aver- uh, companies do their advertising. Um, and so the companies that are investing in content creation and strategies today will be leaps and bounds ahead. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Empire Life Podcast. I'm Allison Ramsey, your host. And this podcast is where we interview female founders from all around the world about their path to success, how they got there. And I am also a business and life mentor for female founders and female-owned businesses. And today we have Allie Nichols with us. She's the co-founder and co-CEO of Getaway, a short-term rental real estate investing platform that lets retail investors start with $100 and take advantage of travel perks like discounted stays with the portfolio of the properties. And prior to founding Getaway, Alexandra spent over four years as an executive at Bungalow, a technology-enabled residential real estate company. And I'll hand it over to her to intro herself a little bit more. Thanks so much, Allison, for having me. Super excited to have the conversation today. You did such a great job. I think, you know, right now we're really focused on building Getaway, which, as you mentioned, is uh, an investment platform for new and experienced real estate investors alike uh, to really get access into this rising industry that has become short-term rentals, or you can think Airbnb properties. Um, So excited to go in deeper on that today and, and have a really great conversation. Me too. Yeah. And welcome. Welcome to the podcast. And I want to dive right in. So Ali, what do you feel like are the biggest challenges that you're, we're both female owned businesses? I mean, you're a co-founder of the of Getaway. And what are some of the biggest challenges that you feel like you've overcame and how did those benefit you and make you stronger in the end of it? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest challenges in my career was, you know, coming out of school, had no idea what I really wanted to do or, or what industry I wanted to spend, uh, you know, my career in and, and investing in. Um, so I went into consulting, like most, most folks do when they don't quite know yet. Um, but I had moved to San Francisco and I was in this ecosystem where everyone around me was working at a startup or within the tech industry and just absolutely loved what they were doing and were working on really cool, exciting challenges. and and had so much autonomy and and agency over what they were doing and ownership that I decided very quickly that I needed to break into the tech industry. Um, And at the time, one of the companies that I was just enthralled with was Uber. And this was, you know, earlier in Uber's life when it was starting to become mainstream, this idea of like push a button, get a ride. Um, And I just thought that that was the coolest thing in the entire world coming from a place I went to school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and like there was no such thing as a taxi. So us trying to get home from the bars after, <laughs> you know, they closed, it was 
pretty scary thoughts. Uh, and so with that, I decided, okay, I'm going to work at Uber, but it didn't come easy. Like I basically, I think I applied to like over 50 roles at the company and just kept getting rejected. Didn't really have a, you know, referral or a way into the company. And, um, just knew that if I kept trying and kept, you know, trying to connect with people, make introductions, get coffee, just like work on getting this goal of working at this company, that it would happen. Um, and so that like perseverance, finally, I think six months later, um, landed me my first job really in tech uh, in San Francisco. So that's one, one of the major challenges that I think I was able to overcome and also kind of you set the path for the rest of my career and to date now being, you know, a VC doc founder um, wouldn't have happened without that experience. That's an incredible journey that you just shared and the perseverance and the, it's okay. I just got knocked down or I got denied this job. I'm going to get back out there. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to apply again. I'm going to try to have coffee with some of these people so they can get to know me personally. that's what it takes in your own company, right? So you were already starting that journey. Definitely. Yeah. I think that perseverance and like never going to give up attitude is like one of the biggest things that I'm taking with me throughout, you know, all of my experiences. And I think can for everybody is something you really need to be successful, especially as an entrepreneur. Exactly. And to get, to continue to get back up and say, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I'm here to stay. I'm fighting. I'm I'm not until I win, until I win the next client, until I have VC backed funding, until I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going. And then probably the goalpost is even another goal after that, after you get some of those things that you want. And I can relate to the Uber part too. Uh, I, I have a teenager and she was saying, how am I going to get home if I went to a college? Cause we're starting to talk about colleges. She was like, how am I going to get home if I'm a little bit further from the city? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Just get an Uber, be safe. She's like, well, what if you get an Uber bill? And it's like for 2 AM. I was like, I, I won't mind. I just want you to be safe. <laughs> it's like, I didn't totally. even have that option. Like you were, yeah. like you were saying. It's like we had to we had to rely on somebody. Uh, I think there were there were taxis in the area because I was in the city, but still we usually had to rely on someone really being a designated driver for real. And were they actually doing that? So I, totally. I relate to what you're saying. The next question that I wanted to go into is, uh, this is a fun one. If you <laughs> have a, a morning routine, or if you feel like that's important for. So I definitely think a morning routine is very important. Am I the best at sticking to mine? Absolutely not. <laughs> because it feels like so many things are coming up all the time. And I'm I'm often guilty of wake up, pull out my laptop, start doing emails right away, which is not great. Um, but when I'm when I'm really like operating at my best and feel like I'm producing um uh, you know, the most quality output, I feel like I'm waking up feeling refreshed because I got a good night's sleep, you know, getting a morning workout in, eating a quick healthy meal, and then like being on my way for the day. 
the times and periods that I'm able to do that, like I do feel like work product is so much better. Um, but it's tough. It's so hard to stay that regimented, especially when, you know, running, running your own business, it feels like you're firefighting so many different things all the time. And there's a crisis every other day. Uh, so I'm not, though I know it's best, I'm not the best at doing it. <laughs> I, I'm similar. I, I try to focus on certain key elements that help me to feel like I'm going to have a good day. Like you said, eating a healthy breakfast, waking up at a good time, going to bed at a good time and having a nice yeah. night routine. I've been better about taking night vitamins, like magnesium, oh, that, like kind of helps me chill at night and calm down and sleep better or taking a hot bath uh, with salts and or a bath bomb and like you said too not like immediately grabbing my phone and checking email or not checking email right before I go to sleep because uh, sometimes team members are at different places in the world we have one that's in the Philippines um, some that are in Mexico so they might email me at random time at different times. Um, yeah. like I got a, an email last night at 1130 and I still checked it. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I need to be unwinding and and present with the people that are around me. So it is or, or social media. I yeah. try my best not to immediately do that when I wake up. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up the present around uh has being present with those around you and whether that's like family or friends that's like one thing I've definitely struggled with the most um you know is like I I'm a self-proclaimed worker bee I think my fiance would tell you if it were up to me I would be working 100% of the time so figuring out a way to like put the devices away and like for me that's even like taking my apple watch off because like I'll get I'll get right. email or slack notifications on my watch and it's just like hard coded in my DNA to be like, oh, there's an email. Oh, there's a problem. Somebody I need to get back to. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to completely like leave what I'm doing here with you in person and go to that. Um, so that's one thing I'm personally working really hard on is like creating space where I can put the laptop down, put the phone down, take all the devices away and like really be present with my family. Um, because when I do those things, I'm again, the output on the work side is better. That's for sure. And I, I find myself that I know when I'm doing that, because I'll say, one second, let me answer this real quick. Yeah. And one second, and I'm like, why am I doing this? We're trying, we can't have a conversation. And then I'll say, Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm present. I'm present. Uh, I, I need to almost say that to myself. Yeah. In order for me to actually be present. Because sometimes I think, the other day I was with my daughter and we were having quality time and I thought I'll just put these things in the calendar that are reoccurring real quick. And I noticed that it was going to take longer than I thought it was going to take because we weren't, we were just sitting there on our phones in a cafe while mm -hmm. I'm putting things in the calendar. <laughs> and I said, okay, this is the last one because I was going to do like six months out. And, and then I realized, why am I doing this? We're having quality time. Yeah, I can do this later. And she was extremely patient in the moment, though. She was like, it's okay. You need to. You don't prop. She did remind me, though. She's like, you probably don't have to do six months in advance, mom. 
I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> totally. Like yeah, you said, since you want to work all the time and get things done. I feel a similar drive to what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's tough. It's tough to to balance that um, because I think you know we're in a situation where you're trying to get something off the ground. Like you want it to be successful. It feels so core to your identity um, and kind of like you know, your pride and self-esteem in a lot of ways. And so it's like, in a lot of ways, I, I'll do anything to make this work. I want to make this business work. I want to be successful. Um, but there comes a, a point in time where you can't, you can't jeopardize everything else in your life and all the people in relationships, because those are also things that make you successful and make you you. So. Yeah. And feeling connected with the people in your life that you love needs to be part of our daily routines because yes. eventually we're, we look back on the week and we're like, okay, we're on date night, but oh, hi. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who are you again? Yeah. Boy, we have barely talked this week. How, how is it going? Yeah. It, that's not a good place to be is my point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the the next question to go into is what do you do when you have any kind of resistance coming up in in any capacity? I mean, it could be also related to wanting to constantly be on, I guess, touched in, like in touch or yeah, connected, plugged in. That's the word I was looking for. How do you unplug or how do you handle any kind of resistance? Yeah. So you know, I would say first, I really, you know, if I'm self-aware enough to realize something's happening, I like to to really take a step back and like really understand what's the root cause of this feeling or the resistance, whether that's, you know, resistance from a team member on an idea or moving something forward, or whether that's like, you know, personally, like I'm resisting letting go. It's like, what? let's take a step back and understand why that's happening. Is there, you know, a big crisis happening that I feel like if I'm not, you know, tuned in and plugged in a hundred percent of the time, things are going to get worse or, you know, not be fixed. You know, if it's working with someone else, like really understanding what is actually like the root cause of, of this feeling or, or pushback. Um, and then having, once you have a better understanding of, of where it's coming from, it's a lot easier to diagnose and, and help build a strategy to fix. Or, or even think about it more logically of like getting away from just like the feeling of like, oh my gosh, if I don't stay attached to my phone 24 seven during this crisis, it's all going to go downhill. It's like, well, actually let's think through what is the downside risk here? Is that really true? Do we have it handled to a certain extent? Is there things, are there even things I can even do right now to fix it? And so just really focusing on like, where is the root? feeling coming from and then can we resolve it at that point versus I think oftentimes that feeling of resistance whether it's from yourself or someone else is the output of something of that root cause so really trying to get to the to the bottom and the 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 real problem so to speak um and and focusing on fixing that and coming to a, a happy solution I love the point that you made too about asking yourself is there I, I feel like I do this too. I ask myself if it's 1130 at night and I get an email, for example, can I really do anything in this moment to fix this? Yeah. 
is this is me taking time right now going to mean that or can I do it tomorrow yeah and I, I love that point too that you said and then the the next level of that is like okay you can't do anything tonight so instead instead of just not even like executing on anything it's also mentally being okay and like letting it go for the evening so you can get a good night's sleep so that you are well equipped tomorrow to handle the problem um because I think so often I'm like oh my gosh you know 11 30 at night we have this problem I'm gonna stay up all night and worry about it mm. <laughs> that doesn't do any good either that's so, so true yeah when I've had that feeling in the past sometimes I'll draft an email and then mm-hmm. I'll look at it the next day. So I feel that I was productive about that topic, but I, I didn't send it and I didn't keep dwelling on it. Or I'll make a calendar reminder for myself about it, what I'm thinking in that moment. It, it, <laughs> it was my fiance, Joe's like, how, why do you put like five sentences sometimes? Because we have a, a shared calendar because it makes me feel more productive in the moment. And I I don't want to forget something yeah. that I was thinking in that moment, but I don't want to do it in that moment. I'm sure you get it. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. No, I totally get it. I think that's such a good approach too. Cause it's like, okay, let me get out on paper without having to like think through meticulously, like read, like read what I'm saying and make sure I'm not missing anything. And then it's like, I'll deal with this in the morning and I can come back to those thoughts and like run the full process. Uh, but it at least gives you, it, like that release to let it go for mm-hmm. the time being I love that thank you I used to have a journal by my bed sometimes and I would write it down but I found it more beneficial for me to put it on a notes on the notes app on my phone yeah because maybe I'm out at a meeting or some or somewhere else uh, or I get the reminder when I'm doing something the just it, it seems a little easier to keep up with they keep track of. Um, and then I I really want to get to one of my favorite questions. Well, not the in two questions. Uh, the next one is how do you handle negativity when that comes up? Um, that could be, for example, maybe some people in your family don't quite understand that you want to be your own boss. Uh, yeah. I've had that <laughs> personally. That's yeah. an example. Yeah, it's Negativity is really tough. I think the biggest negativity I honestly face is is from my own self. Uh, like especially as like an early stage founder, getting a you know a company and a product off the ground from zero to one, um, you can doubt yourself a lot. Like there's like constantly like, oh my god, this isn't working today. Like should I even be doing this? Am I good enough to be doing this? Like you just constantly can grapple with those feelings. And I think, you know, especially as women, like we also have this feeling of like imposter syndrome a little bit of like, do I even deserve to be here? Like that it's hard to shake. Um, so when those instances happen, I've, I've gotten better, uh, at kind of like realizing I'm in a bad cycle and being like okay I need to remove myself from the situation I need to take a break go on a walk go for a jog play with my dogs like do something that brings me joy or takes me out of you know this work like bubble 
um, and and just get back to a place of being like neutral or or even like grateful. Oftentimes, like if I remove myself from the situation, do those things, like I'm able to then take a step back and be like, wow, this is an amazing position. Like, you know, there's people that believe in me and building this product and and what I want to bring into the world. Like, how awesome and lucky and grateful and like should I be because because of that and so if you can like I think just removing yourself from the situation just helps reset mentally um and allows you to get get back to a place where you're kind of outside looking in versus being in the middle of like the tornado that makes sense that makes total sense and when I love to ask myself the question when I start thinking do I deserve this? Is this something I need to put out there? Are people going to buy this? Are people going to want to be my clients more, have have more clients? How am I going to get more clients? Like those kind of questions. I start to ask myself, which I have done in the past too, with certain goals. If I was feeling fear, it's like, if not me, then who? Like, yeah. like you, like if I don't do this app, then who's going to do it? Yeah, that's a great, that is a great question and way of framing it to like, be like, hey, snap out of it. Yeah, (laughs) because you're, you have a unique idea proposition and I have a unique voice that no one else can have. And I know that there's amazing businesses out there. There's amazing apps, obviously, but it's still not you. It's not something that you did. Yeah. Totally. That helps me. Like you said, just kind of reframe everything and feel really grateful too. Change your perspective. Like when you're in those negative spirals, somehow change your perspective, whether that's a place, a question, just reframing your state of mind really helps snap out of it. I think another thing that helps snap out of it is looking for what you're creating. Uh, I'll, I'll give an example. I, I am a business mentor for female founders and I want to personally, or in the past, I have personally sought out having a mentor for myself yeah. and found it extraordinarily difficult to find a mentor for myself. And that led me that the or, or similar to you, it's like, can't how, and maybe that was what even motivated you to start getaway. It's like, okay, I want this <laughs> and I can't find it. <laughs> so I need to start it myself. And exactly. I, reflecting back on that, it's like, okay, I need to be out there doing this because even I'm having a challenge to find, even this year, I would love to have another mentor. And I'm, it's difficult to find women uh, leader or female leaders in a lot of industries still, uh, sadly. Definitely. And it's so funny you bring that up. Of It's a challenge that you were trying to solve. And so you started your own company. I think, you know, a lot of what we've done with Getaway is the same. Like we really, you know, as kind of semi-successful millennials, my co-founder and I really wanted to start getting into real estate investing, but just like didn't have enough capital to do it ourselves on our own. And so we're like, wait, we should be able to change this for like us and our friends and our peer group and really everyone to be able to get access to um, investing in this type of asset. So very similar story in that sense. 
Yes, yeah, I'm a millennial too, and I I understand what what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I relate. And the next one is probably my favorite question: is a childhood story reflecting why you do what you do? I started a real estate investing company. I've been kind of obsessed with real estate my whole life, but it really started um, as a child. So. I always joke that after church on Sundays, I would take out the Oregonian newspaper and go through the open house section and like circle all of the houses that I thought were really interesting that had open houses on Sunday and beg my parents to take me to each of the homes. And it's so funny because it's like we would go and they, they would play along. Like it was like a fun family activity that would, that kind of occurred for years and years. Like even when I go home now, my dad's like, do you want to go to an open house this weekend? Aww, so um, nice. But it was so funny because I would go and, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks love real estate. They love looking at beautiful homes and, and the architecture and the, uh, there's just a, a sense of like, we're attracted to that as a space we surround ourselves in. But I always, even as a kid, would look at every opportunity as more of a deal. Um, and I, I would try and convince my parents that, you know, they should sell their house and try and trade into this one because it has these characteristics and was in this school district and was most more likely to, you know, be worth more money more quickly and like appreciate faster I didn't know that at the time but um so I was always looking for the optimization when it came to real estate um and it's funny because now that's literally my job I like get to go out and pick you know the best investment opportunities um you know within the short-term rental space but very similar characteristics of those original homes I was looking at at the age of 10 that's that's an amazing story that's so incredible I it's so true that there's we don't sometimes I think we don't really change that much when we're right? little, like, totally we, like I'm the same person <laughs> we just, have our just nature as stubborn <laughs> just as stubborn as yeah ever. me too me too I'm super strong-willed and my daughter is too and when I see that in her I'm like well yeah how what else would you be <laughs> Totally. if you do you have kids you, you I don't yet if, you, if I'm sure that you would think the same thing like if you if you saw them being kind of stubborn I'm, really I'm scared personally I'm scared for myself <laughs> <laughs> well if you're a strong leader there's I think strong leaders are strong-willed children need even yeah. more guidance and I'm Definitely. sure that you would be able to guide them you know I hope that you're not cross our fingers too scared <laughs> because no, the, that's a great thing to be strong-willed and stubborn and a great leader like that's what if that's what I would that's what I want in kids definitely <laughs> yeah very excited for that stage of life um hopefully it's not too far away for me nice nice cool I have to stay updated on that yeah and um, if you were starting a new business, like today, for example, Allie, what are the top five things you wish you knew or you had known before that you've learned along the way? I wouldn't say are new, but I think they're so important. Like I can't, the, just the, the weight that needs to be given here is like, first, it's like, 
I would spend all my time really figuring out and identifying like who our ideal customer is. I like, especially when you're starting out with something brand new, really getting like airtight over like, who is the customer profile you're going after? And like, what problem are you solving for them? Because if you can nail those two questions, everything from a product development side and like a go-to-market strategy becomes so much easier um, in like which channels you go after and so forth. So spending a ton, a ton of time there is really important. Um, One thing that is kind of interesting in our period of time right now is like, when you're validating new ideas of like, oh, I think this could be really, you know, interesting and has legs and there's a ton of interest for it. I would take, test the idea through to some kind of form of payment, whether that's even, you know, into your credit card number to hold a dollar, like something where the customer is actually, uh, you know, opening up their wallet to, to, for your product versus just giving you an email. Cause I think right now consumers are just so inundated with like all of these new ideas and products and signups and wait lists and newsletters and so forth that you can think you have a ton of interest uh, because you've gotten so many emails like, yes, I'm interested, join my wait list. Um, but when it comes time to launch a product, people are distracted by all the options out there. So it's something where like, it's a, it's a higher level of commitment from the customer. You know, one thing that I'm getting better at that I would tell myself, uh, you know, previously is, is really take your time when decisions are about spending money. So that could, example is like hiring somebody, you know, hiring somebody is expensive. Take your time and really like go through the process, make sure they're the right fit, so forth. Um, but move fast, really fast when decisions are about saving money. Don't pontificate over all of these things, like kind of back to the hiring example. If somebody is like not the right fit and you under, like, you know that it's not working, don't drag it out for six months or 12 months. Like you already have the answer. Once you know, you know, so make decisions and and execute on them quickly. You know, your first employees really set the culture of your company as much as you personally do because you can't be everywhere all the time. So when you're hiring that first, you know, core group of employees, really making sure that they align to the cultural values and and kind of like, you know, environment that you want to build because they're just extensions of building that for you and have huge, huge, huge impacts on on where you, you go from there. So I just, I just threw a lot out there. All of, all of the above. I love, I absolutely love the part about opening up their wallet, getting them to commit in some kind of way. That's incredible. I, yesterday I was looking at a retreat that was from a lady who I had on my podcast previously and she had on her website, you know, pay $500 first to save your seat and then pay the rest later. And I thought that's genius. It was a perfect example of what you're talking about. Yeah. Cause then you're just like, you're actually getting folks to commit or you're seeing, you're getting a better indicator of how your product will actually perform, even if it's not live yet versus, you know, if somebody said, yes, I want to attend, I'll give you my email. Like that person may or may not actually attend the retreat. Um, and you're getting a mm-hmm. false sense of, you know, demand for, for something. 
That's a great point that it it tells you the demand. It gives you more of a sense of what the demand is. And similar for me with my first hire, I really wanted them to be, or they are aligned to the culture and they reach out a lot in the emails and they're like my right-hand woman and okay. they're doing a lot of the social media posts it's because I I want them to be in my voice if they yeah. comment on my post because they have my login to my personal or the company's accounts. And if they comment on it, I don't want to have to worry about that because yeah. that's the whole point, right? Of having somebody totally. who's handling, well, especially for social media, like you, we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, being able to be more present and I used to feel the need to be plugged in all the time. Oh, I can't miss a Facebook message or LinkedIn. I have them all in a folder. And for I'm I'm Catholic and for Lent one year, I gave up having social media on my phone. And I Good was like, <laughs> I'm only gonna check social media one hour a day. And oh my gosh, at the beginning I felt as if I was what's the going off a drug <laughs> yeah you're having withdrawals yeah I was having, having withdrawals media <laughs> I was like I need an IV of the social media right here like uh, I I need to but I, I I didn't put them back on my phone if I'm being That's honest smart. I kept them off my phone and I have certain ones that I only check on my computer and we have ways that we have content calendar and plan out like months in advance of our content. So it's uh, already starting to go out. And then um, so a few team members constantly check comments and uh, messages. And if it's something I need to check, they notify me, make sure you saw this message. And I would say that saves me at least 25 hours a week while being on social media. And that has felt worth all the money in the world or super liberating. Liberating right. that's the word I was going to use. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Thank, thank you. I highly suggest that to any entrepreneurs of having that being one of the first hires is to get someone who will be more in your voice and they can act as you or three people can act as you and you're yeah. building all your online communities. And that's also how we've been able to scale to 1.3 million right now of just on all wow. the different platforms because we're everywhere. We're in all those places, but I'm not in those places. <laughs> I'm trying to take myself a little bit out of the Your, your representative is. I'm, your, yes. br- your brand is you Our company or not. Yeah. And my voice is because yeah. they're in alignment, like you were saying, with the company's mission and yeah. and brand. I wanted to ask you too, what do you feel like are the top three traits that really make someone successful? We talked about, was it perseverance, right? Per- perseverance is definitely up there. I think <laughs> this is going to sound like a negative one, but it's not in a lot of ways, but like being obsessive like when you're trying to build something and take bring it into the world like you have to obsess over it like it's something that you're thinking about all the time um and I do think it helps people be successful in in starting their own companies uh 
creativity is another one because you're faced with so many challenges and problems and fire drills and being able to like think creatively on how to solve a problem and get out of it versus just like running into a wall is super important and then I would also say thick-skinned oh I (laughs) love all of those (laughs) because like there's many people that don't like your product there's gonna be a family member that doesn't get what you do they're like people just won't understand why you're working so much so there's just being thick-skinned and saying okay like letting it roll off of you is, is really important I agree. I I had somebody tell me something, well, a non-entrepreneur person recently, and this has happened a few times where they said, why don't you try to talk to, if I got a negative response, for example, they would say, why don't you try to talk to that person and convince them that your brand is awesome? Like there's so many people that already think my brand is awesome that want to be in my clients, why would I focus on that? But that's the difference, like you said, of being thick skin. It's like, okay, scrolling on, like not a big deal. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it shouldn't let it stop you. Exactly. And obsessive is an amazing one too. I've been called that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Like to the point where do you have OCD or something? You're so obsessed. I'm like, well, thank you. <laughs> you just can't stop. You can't like turn off your brain when you're really into that, your business. I mean. Totally. Uh, and that's why it kind of like has a negative connotation. But I think in this context, it's a requirement. <laughs> exactly. And in, in anything that you really want to succeed at and get done. And I'm going to move to the next one. What do you feel like are some of the overlooked strategies that most business people have no idea how important they are? It's a great question. So many. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, the big one, so general and business and then I'll kind of narrow it down to my, my field specifically, but um, the biggest thing I'm seeing right now across, you know, businesses and specifically like consumer products is the shift away from like paid advertising. So think traditional channels like Facebook, uh, Google, and so forth into, you know, more content creation, more partnerships with creators, more organic content, whether that's like posting on LinkedIn yourself or on your own Twitter or your own social media. Um, that's not going away. Like the, I think that over the next few years, we're going to see, you know, a huge drastic shift in just the way that all aver- uh, companies do their advertising. Um, and so the companies that are investing in content creation and strategies today will be leaps and bounds ahead. Um, for in, like from a business, like people know their brands and then also from a you know business unit economics perspective because there's still so much opportunity to market more effectively across those channels than you know paying Facebook for ads. Um, so that's like a big general business one. And then when it comes to you know my specific field, which is real estate investing and specifically short-term rentals or think like Airbnb properties, I think one of the big things we're seeing across the market is this idea that like 
any property can be an Airbnb. Like, oh, if you put your home on Airbnb, you're going to make more money. Just like not true. Uh, there's so much that goes into actually taking a property and, and making it a really unique uh, hospitality property. Um, that's everything from the features of the home, the amenities of the home, like, you know, things that draw people in or draw their attention or that they're excited to stay. Similar to like why you go to a resort property, then to the design, it needs to be up leveled um, all the way through to the guest management, guest experience. The operators in my space that do those things will be super successful, but I think that we'll see this big divide of, you know, all of these properties that came on the market as, you know, Airbnbs will start to struggle and, and you'll I start really to hope more... that yeah I really hope that they don't stay there <laughs> right and I've so, had a, I've had both experiences that you're talking everybody's about had, yeah totally yeah. everybody's had their kind of like nightmare story so I think mm-hmm. consumers like we're gonna say no I don't I don't want that terrible property anymore if I'm gonna pay good money and my hard-earned money to stay somewhere it needs to be almost like a hotel level experience with all of the additional benefits of having more space mm-hmm. uh, or a more unique experience or in a better location than the hotels can be in. So that will be something that I think we see over the next few years is like a lot of the terrible, I shouldn't say terrible, but a lot of the mediocre like operators and properties will start to go out of the hospitality space. Um, and you'll start to see a, a, a stronger, you know, depth of supply emerge on the platform. A lot of times they're the same price too. Yeah, that's the thing. They all compare to each other. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's hard for the consumer because then you're like kind of like hunting for, you know, what is that better experience? And it takes a lot more work and, you know, it doesn't like each property doesn't have as many um, like reviews or articles or other sources like a hotel would traditionally. And so it's almost becomes like a treasure hunt for the best place to stay. It, it does. And that, that happened to me recently. We, we went to Utah last summer and oh, nice. it seems like not many people wrote reviews. And then even I hesitated to, to write a long review because you come back from vacation and you're getting into the the flow of everything and you kind of forget about it but there was a no ac it was three floors we weren't told that it was a a town home Mm. so we thought that it was a home like separate but then when we got there there was it was a town home attached to another home so that was kind of a a disappointment because it was a big group. It was like my a fa- a big family vacation. Yeah, and then there was no AC on the third floor. Of course, on the floor where you need it the most. <laughs> yeah, it was the floor that I that we were excited to stay on because it was the biggest. It was one of the biggest rooms with yeah. So then we had to rearrange everybody sleeping where everybody was sleeping after they put down everything. And then we found out that they had the AC set automatically set on like almost 90 degrees, like 88. And it was programmed. So I mean, luckily there's, I'm techie and my fiance is really techie and he unprogrammed it so we could reset it. (laughs) I was like, why would anybody do that? That was just torture. 
That's terrible. It was terrible. It was so so bizarre. I guess they were trying to save money on the AC. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, there was some good, there was an infrared sauna. So we oh, used that. Cool. Yeah, that was yeah. super cool. And it had Himalayan salt around it. So it was a Himalayan very salt cool. infrared sauna, which I had never used before. And we used that every night. So it wasn't all, all horrible. But... Yeah. But that's a perfect example. It's like, that was an awesome amenity that was cooler than if you had just gotten like a hotel room. Mm-hmm. But the guest experience lasts because for whatever reason and so it's just like all all of those things have to go right and there's going to be more pressure from from guests and consumers um to perform that's my prediction we'll see we'll catch yes, up yes i hope that that's right where we're at. <laughs> i want that to be right because i want a better experience yeah, as well exactly exactly <laughs> and then you can trust the platform too that's true yeah for sure and Ali, before we hop off, what do you feel like are the top three areas that you'd love to leave the audience with? I think number one would be, you know, just remembering and telling yourself if you're in the trenches of of building something or starting something new or taking on a new challenge that if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. Um, So the most worthwhile experiences are usually ones that are tough um to stick with it um you know a lesson I hear my dad saying my entire life is that you always catch more flies with honey than vinegar uh, so people who are kind to others and uh do better in life and so just remember to be at your core kind and, and respectful to everyone um and then the one I have to tell myself often is Stop waiting for the perfect time. There is never a perfect time, ever. The ever. never the perfect yeah. timing will never come. <laughs> so stop yes, waiting. that's true. With, with anything, when having a kid, starting a business, yeah, there always be there can always be a reason to say no, maybe in a month. But yeah, they, it would never be a perfect time. I agree. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. And we will also have all of your social media links in the show notes. Cool. For people to be able to reach out to you. This was so fun. It was so great chatting. Um, Thanks so much for having me. 